Welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Jett, uh, and I guess this is our de facto holiday episode. Uh, Merry Christmas! Happy Kwanzaa! Happy belated Hanukkah! Uh, and then, of, <laughs> of course, the best of us for the rest of us. All the things. Um, that being said, oh, here's a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, the boys and I will be recording an all-new episode next week, which will be our actual holiday episode. But more importantly, more importantly, more importantly, new content, baby! In the meantime, if you would like to hear our sumptuous voices, um, other than this, Aaron was on our friend Mike's podcast, Mike Cyber Radio, episode number 187, talking about A Star is Born and MP44 Optimus Prime. I am on Mike's show, I believe dropping tomorrow, Christmas Day, episode 191, where Mike and I discuss the Star Trek slash Transformers crossover comic book series uh, from IDW. Uh, in particular, the Transformer version of the Enterprise uh, Fortre- Fortress Tiberius. Um, oh, later next week, I'm also on another episode, I think it'll be 192 of Mike's show, where uh, we talk about the <laughs> extremely... Unfortunate Den Toys chest add-on for Fantoys um, RC, which is Rogue. Or Rogue. Rouge. Oh boy, hold on just a second. Okay. Uh, I'm sure you can guess what our feelings about it were, but how weird would it be if you tuned in and I was like, you know, I think it's about time that we had a disgusting fleshy tits on a Transformer figure. It's so brave. It's uh, our time is nigh. It's not that. It's not that at all. Uh, in the meantime, we are up to script deviations numero cuatro. I switched it up there. I went Spanish on your asses. Keep them guessing. That's the APDC promise. Today, we cover episode 51 through 64, starting with the Alicons and the Universal Greeting and running up to the fight with Junkions. So, without further ado, pitter-patter, let's get at her. Wow. Well, hey, that's awesome. Let's... <laughs> 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 um... The I'm hoping that Ryan has more craziness than this, but this uh, Aaron here speaking. <laughs> <laughs> my my script. The only real deviation is that it says that it's Sharktacons that arrive from the marshy area. So I think originally they envisioned Sharktacons, and at some point down the line, and, and this is my script is fairly close to what we see on screen, or closer to what we see on screen than what Ryan's is. Somewhere between this script and, and the screen, they invented a whole new race of characters or ethnic that? group or what whatever you mm-hmm. call them from a Transformer Alicons. perspective. These are Alicons, right? I mean, that's more work, so I don't know why they do that. But Alicons seem to have more intelligence than Sharktacons. I think Alicons... Um, actually, I didn't... I don't know. Like, Well, I think that... Well, they can speak. Sharktacons can't even talk. 
So, I don't know. It's like a middle race. And, and we talked earlier about how um, it's theorized or that... All of these char- all these creations on the planet of Quintessa are, are so, uh, experiments. Uh, well, and they're oh. ex- and they're also experiments of the Quintesson. So right. they've got some sort of you know lower level the fish and the he squid gave them below simple the brains. Sea. They've got higher level, which might be these guys, the Alicons, and then sort of a middle level, which would be the Sharktacons that have a little bit more intelligence, but at the same time they still just keep them in a pit. To- right, they're they're, the, they're goons. They're goons. They are goons. They're all different versions of goons. So, Ryan, what is your... Uh... Uh, in, one, in the margins of one of this, I'll skip through it because I actually wrote so wordy because he it just goes on for... This goes on for four pages. But I'm going to... This I'll, scene? Yes. I'll sum it up. Good God. Uh, basically, Aaron, as you said in the last There's minute... There's more time of him wrestling around in his, yeah, crotch, in his, it's crotch, just, in his crotch pocket. Three of the pages are that. <laughs> um, Wait, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. As you said in the last minute, Aaron, um, Cup transforms and it's evident that a fender was misplaced and a wheel mounted improperly, so he wobbles and rides unevenly with much chugging and oil spewing. <laughs> and then Cup says... There's going to be oil spewing once he reaches into that belt. For oh, sure. hey Chug, chug. Ba-boom. Skeet, skeet, skeet. Chrome cross coots of Cybertron. I told you a pot was missing. Of all the ding-brang circuit glitch and dial blowing dimwittery. So that's where that comes in right there. Good lord. Cup is using a homing scanner to try to find the Dinobots is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, Cup says, hurry up, I'm getting a particular alien, or peculiar alien reading. Hot Rod transforms. He, he looks off into the area in question and says, we're wasting time. The Dinobots might be in trouble. Or maybe it's RC out there surrounded by aliens. Oh, call back to potential romantic feelings between Hot Rod and RC. Yeah. and it's Cup- He doesn't care about Springer. Cup Ultra Magnus, our new leader, might be yeah. in trouble. No, it's all That's, about RC. I would hardly call Ultra Magnus, Magnus a leader. <laughs> Fair enough. And then, but then Cup literally put like gives him the gives him the yeah. palm yeah. and is like, "I'm the one with the fantasy stories." Remember, which is. The fantasy story. Weird. <laughs> fantasy story. So, like, I, I guess that's Hot Rod's fantasy of, like, she's in danger you. and he has to save her. And then the, uh, the, <laughs> they haven't even encountered the people yet where Cup uh, unhinges a small case at his belt. Or dick. Okay. And um, presses a series of buttons. Small case. In, yeah, in his junk. And in this one, the universal greeting is shorter. It's just, grog, weep, ninibong. Grog, and, where is it? Where's it written? But it's like, grog na weep ninibong. Grog, grog na So the elements are there. Mm-hmm. I guess they feel like they had to extend it, make it more magnanimous, which I think is a good choice. Sure. Uh, is yeah, I like it. a word that makes sense in this conference? What? No. Uh, um, <laughs> and then they, 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 they encounter, and in, in my script too, Aaron, it says Sharktacons. Um, and then he gives them the universal greeting, gives them the treat, and um, basically... Gosh, there's so that we'll just we can entirely skip that whole page where he's just trying to get Hot Rod to repeat the greeting correctly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know that. Oh, no, no, Hot Rod, you say no. it like this. Don't. Uh, he literally says, "Don't forget to smile." It's not. And, and well, in the way it's presented, it's not that tough. It's shorter yeah, than yeah, the one yeah. you see on screen. Uh, hot, uh, hot Rod says, "Eating out of our hand, huh? If we don't get out of here soon, they'll start eating out of my face." <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> that's that's 
That's problematic for many reasons. Mm-hmm. And then Cup takes a beat and like looks around at all of them, and he socks several Sharktacons aside and runs interference oh, for Hot Rod. Starts hitting them. Yep, and says, <laughs> "Go, lad." And that's what we're. Oh, he knows. So he knows. So instead of what we see on screen, which is Cup makes a lot of bad decisions as to how. Uh, treacherous he the beings in really front of them poorly. are. Yeah. In this version of the script, he recognizes that there's problems. He gives it a little shot and recognizes it's not going to work. So he just like lashes out. And uh, To me, it sounds mm-hmm. like he's a crazy person. He does sound very insane. Because <laughs> he's like, I got this. bong, And then just start smacking him But that makes more sense. Like, that didn't work. I need to pop these guys and get out of here. In what we see on screen, he says, it's going to work. No, it's gonna work no it's gonna work we're being tackled by them we're captured (laughs) (laughs) and i gotta say that my scene is basically the same except there was no judgment murder scene in my version of the script hot rod in the cup and the cup. <laughs> it's like BJ no. and the bear. Yeah, that's their, he, he, they are that, just marched. They just they're just marched onto a cell, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it goes. And that's all, that's the only difference. I, that from, I have. from now on, I'm going to refer to them as Hot Rod and the Cup. That is their sitcom <laughs> spinoff. 1970s. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mine is pretty much the same, Aaron. There's not much different. I just wanted to read some of the lines that they have in here because it's quite ridiculous. Basically, they get herded in. Um, and uh, Cup says there's Sharktacons that are hurting the men in this and um, uh, Hot Rod says what are they to Cup and Cup says near as I can make out on the lingo translator they call themselves Sharktacons lingo translator? yeah he had a translator I guess <laughs> a lingo translator what, did, what was that in the Douglas Adams universe the, the babblefish babblefish you put it in your ear mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, they call themselves Sharktacons Cup, uh, Hot Rod says cute what do they want with us Cup says I'm not sure, but they keep repeating one disturbing remark over and over. We eat. Oh, <laughs> shit. That, that doesn't sound good, Caleb. Yep. And then um, they lead them into the, the, again, like Aaron, you said, there's no murder uh, situation, but they lead them into that main area. Um, and uh, Hot, Hot Rod says, holy lithium lilacs. <laughs> lithium lilacs. That's what my mom's birthday is today. <laughs> and that's I'll what, buy her some lithium. Yeah, lilac. please do. Would your dad be mad if I sent your mom flowers and they showed up a little late? Nope. I just love your mom. Could they be lithium lilacs? Those don't exist. We're doing great. Um, so basically, uh, then we feature the leader, Quintesson, who is taller and wears a different color robe. So that's probably clearly from this clearly mm-hmm. this earlier Floro right, Dairy design. Right, right. He was um, wearing a robe. He's watching the arrival of Cup and Hot Rod, and his faces rotate. Oh, no, he's not. Yeah, so it goes from smiling face to suspicious face to angry face to furious grimace. <laughs> and Hot Rod says, If they had a handsome contest here, nobody would win. <laughs> oh, Hot Rod. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the shark cons shove and prod them, jolting him into a holding pin, and Cup says, I hope you get a toothache in every fang, you BB-brained rattletrap. What the fuck is Cup supposed to be? Insane. He's out of his mind. I don't... I'm... He's like the stereotype of every, like, busted old Clint yeah. Eastwood mm-hmm. well, he, style. He clearly has dementia. And then Hot Rod delivers the line of, we gotta get a new travel agent. And that's it. He says, we've gotta get a new travel agent. That's in the original. That's, they that's, kept it. They kept it all it the way it through. all the way. I must have... He said it in the movie. Wow. 
<laughs> All right, so long-time listeners, of course, will know, and new listeners should know, that uh, I typically go first because my version of the script is maybe two degrees away from what we see on screen, although there are still some interesting details. And Ryan's script is an early draft, maybe a second or third, mm-hmm. a Ron Friedman original that is uh, bonkers, and, and so we like to let him go last so we can see what this thing was like in its raw states. And so, at any rate, with mine, uh, the notes that I have are that uh, restraints weren't added until after Cup and Hot Rod were put into the cell. They were put in the cell, mm. and that's when restraints are added, as opposed to what we see, which is the complete opposite. The opposite. Cranix okay. um, connects the Quintessons directly to Unicron, saying it is their job to track down those who try to escape Unicron's wrath and put them on trial. Okay. So the movie, does, and I don't even think the television show connected the No, the I don't think so at all. Unicron at all. Um, the part, there was some additional dialogue, a hot rod asks, what if they're innocent? And Kranich says, guilty or innocent, the sentence is always the same. Death. <laughs> and uh, and he also goes into more description about what Unicron is after Hot Rod asks who's Unicron. He said, Kranich says, a planet six times the size of this one that absorbs everything in its path. And six Hot Rod times, wonders if there's a connection between Unicron and Galvatron. Oh. Yeah, that's. I don't like that six. I'm glad they cut that out because Unicron is clearly much. Also, it's an unnecessary well, also, statement it's, it's of scale. Like okay, six times. Okay. I don't know how big this planet is. So great. It's pretty random. Most people would say ten, it's, it, five, ten. It, I would just say much twenty, hundred, much, much mm-hmm. larger, much larger, or just a planet, a, which is what they ended up. Right. With. So great choices. That's all I've got. Okay, this one's a pretty. I mean, it's, it's similar in that we're in the same setting, but it's pretty different. Um, we start off with uh, the hot rod looking around, like in the last minute. He says, "We get, we got to get a new travel agent." Who? What kind of place is this? And then from off camera, um, we uh, figure moves forward slightly and speaking in a harsh, basso voice. His name is Granix with a G in mm-hmm. this one because mm-hmm. this script is still operating on the fact that they are uh, creatures made of granite and stone. Uh, uh, wow. Which is a terrible in name. It'd be scr- like if someone was named like. Who, who many, or so, like Granix made of granite, that's great. Like, who many? Like a human. human. Oh. It's, oh, it was okay. a terrible, I or couldn't like, think off the cuff. Made of humans. Yes. Or, yeah. or like, <laughs> we, more like Carboni. Like Woodix. Carboni is a Carboni jet. <laughs> that's my new nickname. Like Woodix, name of, made of wood. Hey, we got, how we got, about ceramic Tylex? Ceramic Tylex. Tyvex. Plastic X. Plastic X. Classics. Classics. <laughs> you had to get one in. You were sick of us, but you still got one in yourself. Um, okay, so several other pathetic prisoners are also out in their cells as well. Um, they're all Autobot robotoid type creatures, which is the strangest phrasing. Granix says, This is a place of execution if you're lucky. I'm Granix, rector of the planet Lethone. That made me giggle. Um, what is a rector? It's like, a, I don't know, like. Um, My dick. A that's wrecked him, damn near killed him. What is it, Rector? I think it's like an organizer or like a city planner or like a councilman, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> wrecked him. Uh, Cup says they're the Autobots of Cybertron, now Earth. I'm Cup and this youngster is Hot Rod. We don't need to be all 
informal and jovial as yeah. we're sitting in the prison cell awaiting death. And then they see, he actually says in this that the world is called Quintesson, and um, uh, the Sharktacons are a primitive tribe of cannibals. They serve only their accursed masters, five-faced Quintessons themselves. And then uh, Cup and Hot Rod say, we've only seen four faces. <laughs> and Kranix shudders and says... Fortune Grant, that's all you ever see. The Quintessons are feeble, but possessed of a cruel intelligence. They send their Sharktacons out to round up any unlucky enough to land here, then put them on trial for trespassing. But what if you're innocent? Guilty or innocent makes no difference. The sentence is the same, like in yours, Aaron. Mm -hmm. Up to this point, we've seen no executions in the script. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, the sentence is always the same, to be eaten. And then the... Uh, the Quintesson points through there and the sh points through the, the door up as he points through the door. The Sharktacons go in. Granick says, no, have pity. And uh, they start, the Sharktacons come for him. He, he f falls to his knees. They drag Granix out of the cell. And then, uh, but as, that, as that's happening, Cup belts one. So I guess they're in the same cell. Mm -hmm. And Hot Rod drop kicks the other, battering the Sharktacon guard who tries to use the cattle prod device. Um, but then uh, he gets them away, basically like we see at the end of this. And uh, the Quintesson says, soon you two shall receive your sentence. It would be well for you to watch so you will know what fate to expect. And that is where we'll stop there. And uh, we talked about this last episode in your script, Ryan. <clears throat> and it's funny. My script has notes in it that are kind of like the person who found the script and transcribed it to the internet put in it to like note that they know things are wrong about it. There's little <laughs> footnotes. So my script, this is where my script misspells Cranix as Granix okay. about three or four times. And, and there's little footnotes that are like, it's supposed to be Cranix. I don't know why they did this. So that's awesome that it you have the explanation why. for it. What a lazy switchover. Uh, well, they're not stoned anymore. What should we do? Honestly, I think they did that so that they could kill them. Because if they're organic rock, that's a little closer to like a living thing. Oh, wow! Well, I just have I, you read that? No, that's okay. just my own theory. I just like the concept that they're they're still like mechanical somehow, like similar to like. I like to think that they're cousins, offshoots, maybe. Somehow. Which back on yeah, that's yeah, like they Im immigrated. Speaking of, yeah, immigrated? of the rocks that like back on episode fifty. One on that on our on our web present on our web page. Uh, I uh, in that picture of my war that I had on the couch with the mm -hmm. toys. There are some uh, rock lords in there, which I are basically. I think they were the gobots. Oh, yeah, they were. I think they were gobots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, in my version of the script, uh, the dissolve after Cranix's death is to the team on Junk, not to the Dinobots. Oh. So uh, that's how they planned it originally. But when it does reintroduce the Dinobots. There are all kinds of traps. Not just, We saw that pit open up, mm -hmm. that spiky pit. But there's all kinds of other traps being sprung all around them, narrowly missing while the Dinobots ignorantly stumble about it. At some point, there's like a Venus fly trap that almost eats Swoop as he's flying about. There's the spiked pit. And then there's also some kind of sword tree that springs into action at some wow. point and just narrowly like flops down <laughs> over on top of them and wow. narrowly misses them. So... Lots of uh, dangerous, cr yeah, very dangerous, dangerous place. planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm assuming, much like the animal esque life, the plant life maybe is also designed by the Quintessons mm -hmm. for murderous intents. Absolutely. Is that all you had? That's it. All right. Uh, mine is pretty different. Um, in this one, uh, the uh, the Sharktacons basically they in their last episode they took Cranic or Granix, sorry, out of the cell as we see it in, in the movie. Uh, but he's uh, thrust into an arena in a fenced ring and handed a long-handled stun stick. 
um, which delivers an explosive electrical charge. So essentially, he has a fighting chance. Yeah, what it's this like becomes is it's like gladiatorial mm-hmm. as sure. opposed to a Sharktacon pit. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the, the lead Quintesson says, Trespasser, hear me. Your punishment is prescribed by Quintesson law. Extermination by consumption. And then his face rotates to his fifth, fifth expression, a death's head. And Cup says, the fifth face! <laughs> mm-hmm. there, there it was. It was a slow build. To yeah, it. and we they, they mentioned it, and then they carried through on yeah, showing it. Yeah, sure did. The fifth face. The fifth face? And then the shark, I've only seen four. Oh, there it is. He dropped the fifth face. <laughs> and then the shark decons, uh, there are four of them that are attacking Kranix. He manages to take out two of them, uh, but then the other two basically uh, attack him. And uh, consume him, and then Cup says, "Not the wind, the in- not the wind, not the end." I'd wish for lad. Uh, and then Hot Rod says, "Then we better figure something out before we're called into the arena." I didn't b- break my transducer to pass cosmic algebra just to wind up as a main course at a Sharticon buffet. Like college or something? It's a convoluted. I, he's young. College joke. He's young. Oh. Uh, the Sharktacons uh, start herding them away. Uh, then we see the castle-like structure where we cut to the Dinobots. And uh, Grimlock says that he thinks that, they, that Cup and Hot Rod are close. And then um, in this one, Sludge is the one who is like... I don't think that's true. And they actually make fun of him. The, the other three make fun of him. Grim, or Slag says, Him Grimlock sensitive. Blah, blah, blah. Snickering laugh. Sludge, Mmm, sensitive. Uh, shakes head. Swoop. Swoop say tee hee. Swoop say tee hee hee. What? Because Grimlock's like, basically, he says, Me Grimlock think cup and hot rod close. Me Grimlock sensitive to friends. God. I should have read that before that, but yeah. So in this world, they're super macho and nobody. Yeah, it's quite, and that's uh, that's basically where we'll we'll end up there. All right, no no cesium salon. Oh, I'm sorry. To cap that off, at the end of all that mockery, Sludge says, "Oh, what sensitive mean?" Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's so there's so no salami, bad. no bologna, mm-hmm. no traps. Well, no... not yet. Oh, hold up. Oh, wait a minute. Save it for next time. Okay. Do a script deviation rhyme. Um, <laughs> something like, don't hesitate to deviate. Mm. <laughs> I, I was thinking more along the lines of, I know you're in the middle of procreation. Now it's time for a script deviation. <laughs> Those were both terrible. <laughs> so I like how he, fin- he you started better. And I can't. But I didn't stop the show to do it. <laughs> so this is Aaron. And uh, as everybody knows, my script is a little closer to what we see on screen. But there's still some interesting little, uh, you know, diversions. And my script refers to Wheelie. We just talked about the book, The Wild Boy of Quintessa. Mm-hmm. My book, my script refers to Wheelie as the wolf boy of Quintessa. So just straight up Jungle Boy. Yeah. Uh, it does not mention his backstory about it, or I'm sorry, it it also mentions his story about his parents' ship crashing. So there's like this whole paragraph about his parents' ship crashed there, they died in the crash, and that, uh, but it's interesting that they never talk about that in the movie. It also says that he wears a necklace of Sharktacon teeth. Like packs, in the Big Looker book. Yeah, yeah. Packs a three-bladed laser knife. I guess that's what that uh, is supposed that to be without minus thing, yeah. two blades. 
and uh, has a special sling in which he hurls fire stones. Sling versus slingshot. We've already mm-hmm. covered this. His intro to the Dinobots, as opposed to what we heard, is many face lie you fool you buy <laughs> that's more confusing that doesn't make any sense whatsoever i think i know where he's going with the mini face slide thing, a little warning don't know about the fool buy thing but like buy their stories they don't sound like they have any stories they you just you just they just kill you well <laughs> anyway Ryan, take it over, please. That, that may actually play in I, uh, uh, to mine. Um, if you remember from last episode, we were uh, just on. Uh, Grimlock had said that he's sensitive to his uh, to hot rod and cup, and then the Dinobots make fun of him. And then uh, Sludge says, "Oh, what sensitive mean?" And Grimlock roars angrily, "Shut your face is what it means. Me Grimlock say friends close. You see." Oh, he's rhyming again. <laughs> nah, no, there's no rhyming. There's yet. not. That's not. But rhyme. the way you said it was very. It was. Uh, it was like. Yeah. An Iambic pentameter. I was expecting a rhyme. Uh, Well, and then uh, he looks down and sees a Sharkticon. The Sharkticon opens his jaws wide and takes a bite out of Grimlock, chews for a brief beat, and then, just as Grimlock is complaining and reaching down to squash him, pulls away, spits out bits of the Dinobot hide metal, and makes a face sticking out his tongue and making terrible sounds like a baby who tastes liver and can't wait to get Another, rid of like, it. Another, like, raspberry. Yeah. <laughs> and so Grimlock says, Get off, you thing. So, okay, the Grimlock reaches down to smash the sharp Connor. It runs, runs across the bridge through a small doggy door-like entrance beside <laughs> the larger castle door. <laughs> Me, Grimlock, no like little chompers. Come back so I can mash you. And so, as Sharktacon is... I like the... We're building the history. It's so crazy. The Sharktacons and the Dinobots. That'll pay off later for Mm -hmm. us in the real movie, I suppose. That's why it was so tough to, like, like organize this. But the Sharktacon runs in and talks to other Sharktacon guards who listen to him act out the fact that he has tasted a huge thing, which tasted terrible. He acts it out? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, the Sharktacon pantomimes? Because I guess they can't talk. I don't know. Does he talk? No, uh, not really. No, he no, acts it out. He just says blah. Only the Alicorn says. Can, yeah, he says blah. blah. Yeah. Uh, and then Grimlock and the other do- uh, Dinobots start for the door, and it opens, and a smiling Quintesson comes out. Greetings, noble strangers. And Grimlock says, yes, me Grimlock, noble, but you stranger, not Grimlock. And there's this whole, I'm going to skip God, all this because uh, it's a this sounds like it's exhausting. This sounds like the scene in Wizard of Oz where they get to the entrance to the, yeah, the Emerald, Emerald City. City but... Yeah. It's more just like the whole thing in this script yeah. earlier where Bumblebee like reverse psychologies Grimlock into thinking he's smart. <laughs> That's exactly what this Quintesson does, and it's stupid. He basically tells him, oh, your friends aren't here. Go away now. And so they do. And um, uh, they lumber off, uh, swoop cackling as he mutters, Grimlock wrong, tee-hee, Grimlock wrong. Because he flew over the shit and he was like, there they are. The Lee Quintesson says, they'll return and when they do, they must not find their friends here. His face rotates. I sentence them to consumption. His death head appears. Is that the fifth face? Yeah. Wait a minute. What was that sentence in consumption re- in reference to the uh, hot rod and cup? He's oh, like so the dino. He thinks the as... Dinobots are going to come back because okay. he led them off, they but they're going to come back. Them. Okay. Uh, and Good then we Lord. have the long shot. So shock. at this moment in the movie, we're dealing with something we haven't actually seen on screen yet, which is uh, hot rod and cups. Well, they haven't done it yet. He's saying we're ne- we need to do that now. Okay. 
Uh, and then um, we cut to the Galvatron in deep space. He flies toward the camera, uh, reacts to sounds of the soda straw sucking and lip smacking, um, in which the cold beam is in Jester's energy draining straw, keeps sucking up all that shit. And Galvatron says, Hear me, Ingester! I, Galvatron, demand an audience! I. Looks up, off, aghast. Ingester! And then we'll cut there. All right. Uh, the first scene with Galvatron and Unicron happens before the Dinobot Beryllium Balonium scene in my version of the script, which is fairly inconsequential. Um, and it starts off with the same, you know, Galvatron asking why he's tortured him. Unicron explains the failure. Galvatron says Ultra Magnus and the Matrix are destroyed, to which Unicron explains the Matrix cannot be destroyed. Oh. Like, he should have said that right off the top, well, if that's the case. What the by fuck? The <laughs> oh, wait, 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 no. wait, wait, wait. Didn't but, you say earlier in your script that he specifically says destroy the no, Autobot no. Matrix? I think in your script, Aaron, he says get it for me. Like, bring it, right. to, bring it to me. Oh, right. bring me the Matrix. Right. That's right. right. That's right. right. Okay, right. And so in that sense, I guess Galvatron is failing him. Yeah, he just chance. didn't He's... take notes. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, I got the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's all the same, right? But anyway, that would be helpful up front. He also goes on to say that Ultra Magnus is at the Planet of Junk. Stalk him, cut him open, oh. and bring the Matrix to cut me. Cut him so, open? Yeah, a little. Oh, to cut it out. Cut him, yeah. yeah. Cut it out. And the scene on Junkion happens. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just Night imagined. reference? I, no, no. No, no, that's from Family Matters. Yeah. Uh, I just, it was, um, no, it's from no, no, Full no, House. Uh, Full House, that's what I meant. Oh. Uh, what's his name? I can't remember the actor's name. but Joey. He, you know, cut it out. I just imagined him as Unicron. <laughs> the worst casting. The scene on Junkion happens right after the moon base with Spike and Bumblebee gets destroyed, so that's a little sequential difference. Okay. And around the same time that we see, per or we see Perceptor bossing people around, Daniel finds out his own suit has Swiss Army-like parts like a welder, which Blur teaches him to use. Cool. Dave Coulier. Thank you. You know, he had his own show that came on after Full House that was like, I feel like it was a prank show. I oh think my it God, lasted a I don't season or something like that. I always hated that guy. Did he do voices on it? Because he loved doing voices. <laughs> He's like a, he yeah, seems I'm like Johnny the Squirrel. Yes, yes. He seems He's a like, broke dick Frank Welker. Oh shit. <laughs> He uh, he seems like a nice guy. In what I've read of like and and seen of him in person, but like man, I just I can't with the act. <laughs> I always thought. Frank Welker was the broke dick Frank Welker. <laughs> Sorry. You did say broke dick Mel Blanc at one That's point. That's true. So, <laughs> uh, securing our, uh, our uh, you know, hatred and rivalry <laughs> with, uh, with... Yeah, Frank we Welker. can never have anyone on the show because we've said terrible things <laughs> about everybody. insulting. So, Ryan, what's in your script? Uh, well, okay. I had to actually go back and read because, uh, the script earlier because the last time we saw Galvatron was like a staggering 27 pages ago. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, and so I re went back and read it, and w what we saw was um, it was when he destroys, quote-unquote, Ultra Magnus' sh shuttle and tells Cyclonus to go to the Earth base because Galvatron, he, Galvatron, intends to claim the fruits of this victory from Ingester personally. And so that's where that starts. Gotcha. That's, that's where we're catching up to that point. Gotcha. So, okay. Claim the fruits, not destroy the Matrix. Well, he thinks it's destroyed or whatever. All right, Unicron <clears throat> is now twice as big or as large as before, and its colors have changed again. And we move closer, we see that the features on Unicron, the tree trunks and grasses, have fattened and become sleeker, fuller, and like the rest of Unicron, Cron brighter. Galvatron, voiceover. Your planet has become truly majestic in jester. Huge, beyond dreams of vastness. Who's saying that? That's Galvatron. 
Okay. And so he settles down on the on Unicron, and he says, "Perhaps you've fed too deeply of the energy of Earth. Much more, and your appetites may exceed wisdom. You may hunger for Cybertron itself. That I cannot allow." <laughs> and there's a bellowing roar, and go, and uh, the ghostly voice of Ingester. I, you dare speak of I? That's anyway. Never. Your ingestor is to, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, are you trying to, I was doing a ghostly voice. Uh, so I was taking your bit. Yeah, to I'll take Cybertron if I want. I, you dare speak of I? And then um, there's another belching roar, and he says, "You are my worm. You are not an I." And Galvatron says, "I've served you well. I, you have failed to complete your mission. The one called Ultra Magnus still exists." And then he says, it's impossible, deny me not, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of words in here. And um, then he says, you will do my bidding. I shall mark the way for you. And there's a cold ray that separates into a pulsing dotted line of, uh, of light arcing down through space as Galvatron sinks to his knees, hands to his throat, eyes wide with terror. So basically... What this is is Unicron is making a pilot wings style path mm-hmm. to the planet of junk. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. <laughs> and then the tree trunk lashes out, whips Galvatron up and into space where he bounces off a pulsing marker and sent, sent out by Ingester. And then... Um, I still need to understand, like, do they reference him as Unicron in your script yet, or is he just called Ingester? I can't... Re- yes, because it, it says Unicron right here. So it's like both. Okay. I don't know. Odd. Yeah, maybe like in, in Jester's a maybe title. He, maybe they maybe they're calling him in Jester. Well, we'll find out. It's but, like Khaleesi. But once he trans <laughs> if once he transforms in your script, then he is revealed as Galvatron. I guess you mean Unicron. As Unicron, I mean. <laughs> so and then after Galvatron's gone, um, and Jester says, "Cybertron, eh? Yes. Another moon would slake my hunger, though. Another moon, and he eats another moon." <laughs> You should edit that makes out, sense. You should edit out what that I makes said sense a while ago because I, I got the word Galvatron and you would confused and that would make no sense. Nope. Uh, and then we skip It's over. part of your role as the everyman. <laughs> well, and I, so we skip to the, <laughs> everyman. the planet of junk um, and then we uh, see that uh, uh, Blur and Springer are using their finger. There's a flame jet from their finger to weld the knuckle joints of the new canopy. And... Um, there's a wide shot to include Daniel, and says, This exosuit is fantastic! Want me to do that? And Blur says, Weld, really? You? Well, why not? Give it a try, but I think it, but think it through first. And then this is another scene where he's thinking, thinking, welding. Thinking! <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, then uh, we go to the Junkions, and this is where I, this is what Retgar says, Forward, Avanti, Apfel, and like. Go for gung-ho, friends and neighbors. Mm. Junkions, Ada! And that's where the, the Decepticon armada, armada comes, yeah. Um... And then Rekgar says, hang on, this be Industrial Strength Marauder War. We watch. Watch and wait. Bye, George, and golly, Zim Zam. <laughs> and this is a description of what, uh, what Rekgar's supposed to sound like. Rekgar speaks Junkanese, a language made up of all the Earth television and radio transmissions he's ever heard, and scraps of all language and idioms. He sounds like a cross between Henry, Henry Kissinger... Uh, first of all, you have to remember when, when I went to China, I knew nothing about China. That's a great qualification for a secret mission, but it happens to be true. A talk show host like Burt Parks. Hi there, I'm Burt Parks. You know, I've been a Dodge owner for some time now, and nothing makes me happier than telling people about the new Dodge. And Mr. Rogers on amphetamines. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan here, and I was going to do a bit where I did a sped-up version of Mr. Rogers' voice, the way it says in the script, but um, you know what? 
Fred Rogers is maybe the only purely and genuinely good and wonderful person who has ever existed in this world, so I'm not even going to fuck with it. So let's get back to the show where I regularly make pedophile jokes and talk about Jim Jones. All right, bye. (laughs) So I had to look up who Burt Parks was. He was... um, he was the guy, he's best known as the guy uh, who hosted the Miss America from 1955 to 1979. Okay, uh, Makes sense. and this is a truly this is a truly insane combination. I can't even put in my mind what that would sound like. Henry Kissinger, Burt Parks, and Mister Rogers. So they're just oh, like get Eric is. Idle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who uh, basically does Eric Idle. In a, I'd know. like to see a conversation between uh, Retgar and Blaster. Hmm, interesting. Talking music. Just talking nonsense. That's right. <laughs> uh, was Blaster another rhyming robot? I'm trying to remember he if that rhymes, was a shtick. I don't know if it was in the show. He rhymes early on in the script, in my script anyway. Okay. I can't remember I mean, if he rhymes in the show, but that. he did say No Way 2 Can Play. That's true. Okay. Right. Yeah! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Maybe he rhymes on demand. Uh, okay. Cover your receptors, Perceptor. I don't know. There's another rhyme. I'm going to hop into it. (laughs) My version of the script is mostly similar, except for the fact that Perceptor gets a kill, guys. Um, That sequence where he and Magnus are running, he gets hit with a laser, and in the script, Magnus stops to help him, and as a sweep roars towards them, Perceptor transforms into a cannon and fires, obliterating the sweep, and then saying to Ultra Magnus that, My lacerations were primarily superficial. Oh. And Ultra Magnus is like, huh? Right. And then Springer from far away, he means he's not hurt. <laughs> and that's all. That's the only difference in my script. Oh, I don't have that. Um, so in mine, this is Ryan, uh, Springer, um, this is right after Ultra Magnus says, get everyone to get um, everyone away from the shuttle. We've got to draw them off and then double back. That's actually kind of more my Springer voice. Um, anyway, uh, Springer says, Scatter and follow me, which is a very confusing and conflicting (laughs) set of instructions. Um, And then we—it's basically the same as in the movie where RC just transforms and lights out without any word, and Daniel's like, "What do I do?" (laughs) Where Blur says, "Transform, think it, transform. You can do." Trent completes his transformation and roars off. It. Uh, and what? Yes. What piece oh, yeah. of shit? He, he he transforms during mid sentence. Yeah, and then dot 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 it. <laughs> He's uh, even a bigger okay. dick in this version of the story. And then in this one, actually, they have um, Ramjet and and Dirge and um, uh, I can't. What's the other guy's name? The Conehead. The, all, they have the Coneheads in here. I'm like, Thrust. oh yeah. They're the Coneheads are still alive. We don't yeah. see them in the movie, really. Right. I think you'll see them a little bit later. I maybe. think one of them dies, maybe even, on screen. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Uh, and then, uh, basically, uh, in this one, Shrapnel is still alive. So that's probably where the confusion comes up, because it does say it's Shrapnel and Scavenger. Um, and then the Human Germ made uh, all the way, which mm-hmm, is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on Daniel, as his exosuit suddenly transforms into skeletal structured racing vehicle. And I'm like, oh, yeah. In this script, the, the exosuit's like a weird cage mm-hmm. around him. Like, very strange. Uh, exosuit spouting wheels and rocket boosters as Daniel takes off at great speed with a delightful yell, driving through Scavenger and Shrapnel. Way to go! <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I know. He's complimenting himself go! as, he, as he smashes through them. And then uh, go back, we're on Galvatron where he says... 
Separate and run them to the ground. I want none to survive. And that's basically where that minute ends. All right. I love it. I love the de- wow. some of this that was a good DVD. Oh, so if you like that, you'll love the next one. <laughs> yeah, it is very insane. So We're in for an adventure for sure. Guys, I don't really have much that is that different from what we see on screen in my version of the script. The listener will recall that my version is closer to what we see on screen. Ryan has a version that is uh, kind of an original first couple of drafts. And then we also have Mike on the line who has some some extra stuff from the comic book and some extra, I think, some audio clips that sound very exciting. So, So just to get mine right out of the way in my script... Ultra Magnus is struggling, and the interesting difference between what we see on screen and what happens uh, in the script is that he's getting electric shocks while trying to pull. It's almost like the the Matrix is punishing him for even trying to open the damn thing. Like one of those terrible shock games that were popular like eight years ago. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Those popular things. (laughs) All I right. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sex thing. Oh, God, God, God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so, so Mike, what have you got for us? Okay, so I got a, I got a couple things. Like uh, you had mentioned, one of them is the uh, original Marvel comic book adaptation from 1986, which I'll get to that in a sec. But first, um, hey, uh, hey, Ryan. So yeah. you, uh, you have the uh, Ladybird. Uh, adaptation of the movie, right? Yes, yes, I do. I'm sorry, the, I mean, the it, storybook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in general, I mean, not not with you or whatever. But yes, exactly. Yes, so, I do. I do possess it. So when you got it, did it happen to come with a cassette? No, it did not. Oh, very good. Well, so um, that um, a little bit of uh, a little bit on that Ladybird uh, storybook is that not only is it a storybook, but there's an audio cassette that goes with it. It's meant to be a read along book. So what oh, you do is really? you put in the cassette, you listen to it and read along in the book. You know, it's kind of like to help uh, kids read mm-hmm. a little bit. And I uh, I did some digging and I actually found the uh, the the full audio from that cassette. And I have uh, some audio from the the uh, Ladybird adaptation uh, that covers this particular minute. And Great. I thought it would be fun to share because it is. It's interesting. So are we, are okay. we ready for a quick uh, audio interlude here? Please. Let's do <laughs> right, it. Let's yeah. fire this up. The Autobots made a fighting retreat down a long valley. The junk piled on either side gave some protection from the Decepticon fire. Ultra Magnus brought up the rear. He waited until the Autobots were clear. Then he fired his laser weapon to bring down some of the junk as a barrier behind them. Now he stood alone before the fury of the Decepticon attack. From a ridge nearby, Galvatron watched. Ultra Magnus opened his chest compartment and took out the Matrix. It pulsed with power, but a special shield prevented its full power from being released. Ultra Magnus pulled, but the shield remained firm. Prime! He cried. You said the Matrix would light our darkest hour! Then, at a command from Galvatron, a flight of his evil warriors raced overhead, and a salvo of cannon fire blasted Ultra Magnus. Galvatron seized the Matrix with a cry of triumph, and the battle was over. The Decepticons withdrew victoriously as quickly as they had arrived. So... (laughs) 
Wow. There's a lot wow. to unpack. There. That's intense. I've never, Holy that shit. So I shit my lasers. pants. So many lasers. I know. They were constant, like, wall to wall lasers. That was awesome. Okay. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, that was... Uh, <laughs> It's so many laser wow. blasts. Um, okay, so um, so moving on from that, so not a whole lot of differences there, but there is like this whole perspective of like this energy shield around the Matrix, mm-hmm. which I hadn't really heard of before, and yeah. it's something that's not in this uh, version from the comic book. So now, I wonder you- if that's relative to like the electrical energy they talked about shocking him. Oh. And- and and maybe maybe that was kind of the translation of that to that book form. And also, it was a missed opportunity. They never really showed Ultra Magnus uh, uh, Open getting. His chest. Yeah, he, it was just in his hands yeah. all of a sudden. And I will say that, like on the cover of that uh, Ladybird book, it shows Hot Rod. <laughs> it's a real spoiler. Shows Hot Rod holding the Matrix, <laughs> know, but right? it's just the core. There's no like handles or anything. It's just the shining core. Yeah, it's like like a crystal ball, like cells. No, it's an original. uh, It's an original drawing for the book, for the cover of the book. It's the only original art in the book. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think you guys have covered this before. Kind of like the the evolution of the design of the Matrix. You know, it's like in in different phases of production, it looks different. Like you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it looks like a crystal ball. Other times it looks like a rock. Other times it looks like you know the Matrix that we know. Um, so yeah, so that that design went through several phases up until uh, uh, the final animation and the final movie. So um, so I I'm gonna read a little bit from this comic. Book. Um, now, this was uh, issue number three of the uh, Transformers the movie adaptation from Marvel Comics. It was uh, adapted by Ralph Macchio, and I, I have to <laughs> warn you here not not the Karate Kid, the the uh, not that Ralph Macchio. Yeah, yeah, apparently this guy is like a guy that's a guy. Like he's written like Spider Man comics for like thirty years, and is you know a pretty uh, prolific writer in uh, in terms of Marvel comics. But he's trying to do a lot with a little. In this uh, comics adaptation, it's bonkers because like all of the the um, uh, speech bubbles are full of exposition. So they mm. they try to do a lot. So so I'm gonna try to get through this as best as I can. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna pick up where uh, Cyclonus and Galvatron kind of show up. Um, <clears throat> Cyclonus comes to a halt in midair as Decepticon leader Galvatron leaps out to confront Autobot chief Ultra Magnus. So we meet again, Autobot fool. Unicron, the planet eater, informed me that you had not died in our last encounter and that I would find you (laughs) on Junkion, Galvatron says. You have something I desire. Give it to me now. Give me the leadership matrix. He says, pointing okay. at, it. and and I'm gonna take pictures of this to you know uh, forward to you guys to put up on uh, on the Absolutely. website if you'd like. Sure. Um, so Ultra Magnus is seen uh, struggling with a prototype version of the Matrix. It's just kind of like a green block, and uh, the caption reads, "The Matrix, an Autobot object of unbelievable power that was recently passed on to Ultra Magnus by the late Autobot leader Optimus Prime." Why won't the Matrix open? Prime said the Matrix would light our darkest hour, and now I can't even remove it from its casing. <laughs> to which Galvatron- Pretty casual dialogue there. It's like, I can't get the cap open. 
And also, way to way to show your hand to the bad guys <laughs> in front of you. Because like Galvatron's like right there. So the next panel, um, it's Galvatron pointing in the and kind of like what we see in the movie, and the sweeps over his shoulder. The fool can't even make the leadership matrix works. Sweeps quarter him is the order. You turn quarter. the page. So it's a panel of Ultra Magnus standing. The four sweeps come down. There's laser beams emitting from them with sound effects that say spring, spring, spring (laughs) with with various I's and N's and G's. It's very dramatic. And then the next panel, no defense is possible as the stunned Autobot commander is lifted uh, by the four Decepticon sweeps. And it shows him with uh, laser ropes around his arms and ankles and he's holding the green Matrix cube. Uh, despite Ultra Magnus's great strength, the beams begin to pull his trapped limbs taut. Inexorably, inexorably and, and actually in the illustration, there's like shaky lines, you know, as like, you know, he's being pulled. Uh, inexorably, his body is stretched to the breaking point. Uh, Magnus says, I I failed you, Optimus. Failed you. At, and, and all those you left me to lead, I'm so sorry. So very sorry. I, I, and then the, uh, in the next panel, he explodes, gets torn <laughs> apart. Yeah, we're, we, we found, we found a quick reference to this online. We're looking at this. That's really disturbing. Isn't that brutal? I, <laughs> that's the one. But then like the, I love this because it kind of matches the, the, the movie, the matrix just kind of falls into Galvatron's hands. And he says, ah, just what I'd hope would fall into my hands. And the last panel is him uh, holding the matrix, not, unlike the final movie except if um i don't know if you could see it on uh your version but it's just basically like it's a green cube mm-hmm, it kind of yeah. looks like a delicious lime jello treat <laughs> yeah. but it's got yeah. like, but it's got like this weird plug on the side like uh yeah, you know like the like the cap that ultra magnus couldn't open or something like you were talking about earlier maybe it's some kind of weird uh plug of oh. some kind nothing ryan really <laughs> No, well, I was going to say, maybe it's a flashlight. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's like, I mean, somebody. Sorry. I was just looking. I'm sorry. sorry, I was lost in thought of like, I could fuck that cube. Sorry he let you down. I know. I mean, it's like, it's like somebody's fucking that thing, right? (laughs) But yeah, so, so Galvatron says the, the leadership matrix of the Autobots, it's power incalculable Unicron, my master in quotes with this, I shall make you my slave exclamation point. Uh, I do like the re- the, the way the Matrix. I mean, presumably that was. I mean, I think when that comic was written, they were working off of a mid-stage. Script. Yeah, the movie wasn't done, and uh, so they didn't really have any sense of where the design of the Matrix would go. I like the way it went and on screen versus what we saw on the page there. Ryan, why don't you take it away? What I've I've heard oh. rumor that we're in for a, an interesting it's so ride here. Fucking strange. Okay. Um, I am gonna compress some of this because it's like it's there's a lot, but basically when we left off, it's kind of the same where Galvatron is is shooting at uh, the Autobots as they're running away. Um, in this one, uh, he pulls a Perceptor aside, and they the shuttle isn't destroyed, and so he pulls Perceptor aside behind the shuttle, and um, Ultra Magnus says, "Did you do what I asked?" And Perceptor opens something like a steel attaché case, which has been clipped to his belt, sets it down. Attaché? Absolutely. Attaché case. Yes, sir. I did, but the tolerances are not quite as close as I would have liked. But then, see for yourself. 
Perceptor transforms to microscope mode, and Ultra Magnus looks through the eyepiece into the attache case. Perceptor voiceover. However, they should serve the purpose. View of inside of the case. In the case, are small models of Blur, Springer, RC, and Perceptor in humanoid modes. Okay. This is where I wrote, what? <laughs> wow. And then Perceptor... Each is a perfect pseudo-clone in every respect. Witness the transformation capabilities. The models each transform in unison into their robot modes, or into their alt modes, and then transform back again to humanoid modes. These models do not move, just transform. Ultra Magnus looks away and says, Will they fool Galvatron when they attain full size? And Perceptor says, I've said it like 20 episodes ago, I was going to do for Ultra Magnus as John Wayne, and I've just remembered it. Okay. <laughs> Perceptor says, of course, so long as they remain mobile, but there is every possibility Galvatron will realize they are fraudulent should termination take place. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, wow, where uh, are Ultra we Magnus, going, so this man? is all happening while they're being fired upon by the Yeah, they're in like a little like like sheltered area behind the shuttle. Okay. They're still right. being fired at. And then um, Ultra Magnus, uh, say it, say it plainly. <laughs> if Galvatron examines the remains of the clones after he's destroyed them, he'll know he's been tricked. I can deal with that. Be ready. And I circled that with three explanation points because I'm like, that's the first time he can deal with anything. He does also, not say that. Holy shit. He, he does. He, he actually says he can deal, can deal with, with it. I can deal with that. Uh, the Ultra Magnus ducks out and uh, like is, is racing away, um, and then uh, Dirge peels off, firing at Ultra Magnus Perceptor as he draws an antenna-like apparatus from the back of the case, which contained the miniature clones, and then. Um, it starts pulsing with magnetic waves, and the small clones begin to grow and grow, rapidly expanding to resemble the full-size Autobots they will substitute for. It's like those magic glow, grow crystal tablets you put in the water, and they grow into, like, sponge dinosaurs. Yeah, I know what so, you're talking about. Yes, yeah, I, I guess you can understand what growing means, no matter... I don't need, <laughs> no, like, the analog of that. Just, just <laughs> no, I like that analog, though. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so on RC, uh, she hurdles uphill with the Constructicons chasing after her, firing, and then she crests the hill, and Astro Train, who's been lying in wait, clutches her and pins her to the ground. Ugh, and I'm like, ew. What? I wrote ew. Yeah. <laughs> and she, he says, prepare for oblivion, little she-bot. Oh, oh, man. Mm. That, yep. That's uh, uncomfortable. Astro, that's a Weinstein wine con. <laughs> uh, Astro Train starts to open the door to Flamethrower, which I don't, I think, I don't know what that means. Um, and then uh, another angle is Daniel roll, roars up over the hill from the opposite direction and reacts, transforming into human, humanoid mode. And he screams, RC! And Astro Train says, you're next, microbe. And Daniel, as he quickly aims Exoglove at Astro Train, scarcely bothering to think, shouts, weld him. Oh, and Daniel's blast hits and melts his joints, fusing him into welded immobility. And what? yes. Oh, man. So, yeah. And then Kids apparently RC psychopath. is like, Jeez. RC's like, let's move. So literally, she has been saved by a child who just learned how to use an exosuit. Whom she just ditched on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And then Blur uh, shoots across the open area, the Decepticons firing missiles, and then suddenly, when in the gully, an explosion of camouflaged gas billows up, filling the gully. And everybody's like... Camouflaged gas? Yeah, it's okay, convoluted. Anyway. I'm trying to, like, skip for time, because it's so complicated. But, like, Blur says, what happened? Cough, cough, where am I? And then there is another angle on Perceptor, who was holding a strange glowing lantern and beckons to Blur. This way, quietly. It's Ultra Magnus's plan. They enter the, 
<laughs> they enter the smoke area, and uh, they've gotten everybody together except for Springer. And Daniel says, I don't understand what's going on. Springer springs into the smoke, looks around, pushes through, and emerges beside Perceptor. Because every time he moves, it says he springs. Mm -hmm. uh, Ultra Magnus said to double back, but he didn't say anything about this. Please keep your verbal projection wavelengths on a low frequency. And then we see the clones, which are now full-size uh, replicas of the Autobots, moving away. And Galvatron flies into the scene, and the Decepticons go through the valley, and Galvatron says, Why do you hesitate? Are you afraid of a little camouflage smoke? Blast them and keep black. And then as, as the replicas roar out of the smoke, followed by R.C. Springer, the blur, blur replica roars out, followed by R.C. Springer and Perceptor, each of which fires those Decepticons and take off. And I'm like, okay, this is the point where I'm like, you can make clones that have offensive capabilities. Just, just do that. You just have an army. Yeah. <laughs> and then Galvatron says, stop them, exterminate them. Ultra Magnus is mine. Uh, this just seems like another excuse for butchering more Autobots because then they slay the replicas. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, they just exterminate them. And then Springer says, but those copies won't deceive the Decepticons once they examine their remains. And I'm like, why are they so focused on examining the remains? <laughs> I do not understand. Well, they're looking for treasure, you know, see if there's like, you know, like gems and gold and jewels and like when you kill something in a video game. Yeah, totally. Oh, there's a key in here. Sweet. Do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, basically the Ultra Magnus is now the only one out in the open and he's surrounded by Decepticons getting shot and um, he, ever, after all the replicas are dead, um, Ultra Magnus is now on one knee, still fighting, one arm hanging uselessly at his side, almost severed and sparkling and smoking. Whoa. And Galvatron says, this I have the real deal. Yeah. I, this is the real, there was no Ultra Magnus clone. Mm -hmm. Galvatron says, I've waited for this instant Ultra Magnus. First Optimus Prime and now you. Ultra Magnus turns to Galvatron and hurls bombs at him, but Galvatron roars and transforms and point blank delivers a blast to his face. And wow. he is shattered, body parts melting and strewn about, his torso and head with one flailing arm attached sinks and falls in a putter of dying sparks. Straight up execution. Holy yeah, I'm like, shit. I mean, <clears throat> Damn, Friedman. Uh, Galvatron kneels over Ultra Magnus, and here's where we get into the 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 cut the buzz saw. He extends a razor saw extension from his hand, brings it down on Ultra Magnus's chest, and now and says, "Now I shall have the final prize of conquest." Cuts into his chest and extracts the life spark of Optimus Prime, which, if you remember, in this script is not a physical object; it's a ghostly tiny Prime. Right, he's like a little mini spy, basically. You yeah, know, just it's like, like a tiny little, like yeah. white shining As opposed Optimus to the Prime. Matrix of Leadership. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you remember whenever he passed it from Optimus to Perceptor, or from Optimus to Ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus like shot a beam into Prime's chest, and a ghostly Optimus Prime went right. out of his chest into into Ultra Magnus. There was no physical matrix. No, just the life spark. It's the life spark, okay. yeah. yeah. And he extracts the life spark and places it in a small bottle, which hangs around his neck. Do they refer to it as the matrix? Does he say anything like no, the they matrix? Call, they call, I want it. They call it the life spark. Okay, all right, all right. Sorry. Um, and like, so he hangs this bottle around his neck, which is like, I wondered how they would deal with a non-corporeal matrix. So they just deal with it like he's catching fireflies, like like Tinkerbell. <laughs> yeah. And then Victory Zars return to Earth and stop all energy supply from a jester. And then uh, intercut to Daniel and our friends during the Life Spark operation as they react with anger and sadness. And I'm like, well, but you fucking didn't do anything about it at all. And that's the end of that minute. Wow. Wow. Huh. Binockers. Binockers? Binockers. That's a cross-reference between bananas and bonkers. <laughs> that's true. Binockers. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Thanks. 
So while Hot Rod and Cup are on the plank, instead of whispering to each other about not being able to transform, instead, uh, Cup ha- we, we get a little payoff on that whole missing part scenario. Uh, Cup oh. says to Hot Rod, remember when you put me together today? And Hot Rod says, sure, that's all I've got to think about. And then Cup <laughs> says, I know what part you forgot. And so then the sentencing takes place, the fellows are dropped to their doom, and Cup, because of the, quote, missing part, is able to double-jointedly slip out of the restraints. And then Cup says, that doohickey you lost was part of my shoulder socket. Watch this, lad. Without it, I'm as double-jointed as Houdini, which is a lot of dated references for Cybertronian 2005. Cup shoots off Hot Rod's restraints then, and Hot Rod says, wish you had figured that out sooner, and that's how they yeah, got out. thanks and were a lot to, now. <laughs> dickhead. It what? seems like a I think it would be funny if Cup was... Wow. Remember, what is, what is Cup's... How does Cup ask the question? What does he say? Remember when you put me together today? So, I know what part you forgot. So it'd be funny. Remember when you put me together today and... and the, the, <laughs> <laughs> Take two. <laughs> Remember when Cup said... <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know if I can... And so, Ryan, uh, what have you got? Well, no, no, I want to hold on that for a second. I just wanted to say it'd be funny if Cup said, remember when you put me together today? And Hot Water was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then it just like... That paid off. Yeah. Not, no, it didn't. <laughs> Oh, that's uh. all staying in. Um, so, okay, so basically he does, like, the Mel Gibson thing in Lethal Weapon where he gets out of the straitjacket, like, because of a trick shoulder. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can't remember what, yep. what year that came out, but it sounds like maybe Ron Freeman was watching that movie. <laughs> I like this. I like this crazy character. I like character. this Riggs. <laughs> I bet he says terrible things to women and Jews. What if What if um, uh, Hot Rod is actually based on Riggs from Lethal Weapon? Mm-hmm. And, of course, Cup is the Danny Glover character. I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> oh, this. I'm going to rewatch the movie with that as my diplomatic as my point immunity. Of it's been revoked. Um, so, Ryan, wow. what do you got in terms okay, of deviations? Well, remember on ours, um, uh, on our last uh, script deviation, whenever we talked about the Quintessons uh, and, like, Arbalist getting killed, it wasn't a shark to tank. It was basically an arena where mm-hmm. he was given a stun stick and had to fight to the death. Okay, so it was very... Uh, gladiatorial. Gladiatorial mm-hmm. to begin with. Yeah, and so here we are at the arena at the Quintesson Castle compound, and they're herded in... The Hot Riding Cup are herded in this arena, and they face the Quintesson leader who says, Trespassers, you have been found guilty under the laws of Quintesson. And then the Shartacon guards hands them each a long stun stick, clacking at them gleefully, licking its fangs with a forked steel segmented tongue. Which <laughs> is a little gross. I wish and, they would have added that. I kind of mm, like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> Hot Rod says to Cup, Riley, do you remember a trial? If we had one, I want to fire our lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) And then Cup hefts the stun stick and says, their heads seem like, (laughs) their heads seem their only soft spot, lad. Which I don't understand that sense. They're all head. At all. And then turns to Hot Rod, very solemn, and I thought this was interesting, and says, till all are one. Oh, and this okay. comes in a couple in a couple of That's these episodes. That's what people say when they're accepting mm-hmm. death. Yeah. And Hot Rod, not so fast with that farewell stuff. I have an idea. And, and then we angle on the Lee Quintesson. He rotates to the death's head. 
Therefore, I now sentence you both to... And then Hot Rod twirls the, sun, the stun stick like a quarterstaff, exploding the heads off of two Sharktacon guards, and twirls it and face, forces it at the ground, and then like it as runs like a pole vaulter. Hot Rod shoves the end of the stun stick into the ground just ahead of several Sharktacons, and it explodes and shoots him into the sky. Whoa. Yeah, and then he, he like launches toward the, the, quint, the lead Quintesson in the tower, in parentheses, or grandstand. He can't decide. This comes in a lot, whether it's a tower or a grandstand. I don't know. And then the, the, the Quintesson face starts rotating, and Hot Rod vaults into the shot, landing right beside the lead Quintesson and pins him against the wall using his stun stick in a horizontal position across the lead Quintesson's neck. And if you remember, this is still going off the fact they're bipedal, I think, mm -hmm. in this script. It's still Florodary. And then on Hot Rod and the lead Quintesson, as the Quintesson face rotates to the angry expression, he says, You cannot escape! And Hot Rod says, Maybe not, but neither can you! And that's where we'll stop for that episode. Mm, very action-packed. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Hot Rod and Cup taking control very quickly. Mm -hmm. It sounds pretty cool, actually. The, you know, it's an interesting the evolution from that moment to this moment, because... I, get, I guess I get what they were going for with this whole, like, trial, and you're found innocent, but you still die because yeah. we're ruthless, cold-blooded right. yeah. killers. But you don't even know what they're on trial for. Like, the whole, like, just idea of a trial just doesn't make sense in this context. And at in your version, I guess it makes a little more sense because, I mean, it says they've at least been found guilty of some trespassing or something, right? But Yeah, really. I guess it's just, it is mm. weird to even have it in a trial format as opposed to just an execution for Why not just fun? be sadistic? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it just makes it all seem like higher weirdness. I don't know. Yeah. It's, we it's a strange component. Yeah. I don't think it flows perfectly, mm -hmm. but, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, when you see what you want, you're going to take it. <laughs> In my version of the story, I don't think the Sharktacon was ever meant, the, like the Sharktacon pit was ever meant to have liquid water in it. Uh, or liquid energon or whatever. Right. Um, when Cup and Hot Rod drop from the plank, it seems they land on dry land, weapons drawn, and then they decide to do the demolition derby thing, but they just transform and immediately start slamming into Sharktacon. <laughs> sure. So there's no whirlpool escape scene. There is mention of a wave of larger, more powerful Sharktacons appearing after they've done some smashing uh -oh. uh, that eventually appear and overrun and overpower hmm. them. Oh, they get overpowered. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I, it makes more sense that the Sharktacons would have some water to swim around in. Yeah. Whereas I call, also, their name I, is Sharktacons. I, I, I still think they should have been called Piranacons. Yeah. It could have worked. I like it better. So like Let's write to Ron Freeman. They look more like piranhas. And be like, you dumb. You dumb. <laughs> here's, my, here's my critiques on your script that we're talking about on a podcast. For fucking, like, 90 hours. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded so resigned right there. We're on the home stretch, fellas. <laughs> Both of you. We're just going to close this one out. Uh, Guys, we just hit the one hour mark. Yep. Right here at the end of this episode. Congratulations. Uh, so, Ryan, what do you got going on? Okay, well, Cup on the arena floor. He stands with the back against the tower and holds a stun stick out menacingly as a phalanx of Sharktacons confront him. And Cup says, Well, lad, what now? And Hot Rod maintains a hold on the Quintesson, furrows his brow, and says, I don't know, but I'm open to any reasonable suggestion, and I'm talking anything. <laughs> 
Um, and then basically the Quintesson rotates its face to a smiling expression and laughs in a very ugly manner. And that is, that's it. Oh, <laughs> that's man. all there is for this one. What a tease. There's a fair a amount in the next one. Yeah. Right, but okay. like, again, I've been trying to keep it with the, what, the action we see sure. in the movie. So that's fair enough. My script does not actually have that much different. It's closer to the movie. Um, the it doesn't really the main difference is it really doesn't go into detail about the specifics of the action that we see on screen. Really, it it sums everything up in one statement of uh, Cup and Hot Rod are overrun. There's no grand entrance with a door flattening the prosecutor. It does say there is a quote war whoop, and uh, then the Dinobots just appear. Sludge is swatting Sharkies with his tail, Grimlock is eating them, Slag is barreling into them, and Swoop is basically doing what we see on screen. There's no mention of Wheelie and his slingshot, which is fair because despite the fact that we see Wheelie attack, it doesn't really do anything. No. It's just an irritant. Yeah, it does appear pretty worthless. That way, yeah. So, anyway, that's it. Um, This is pretty different. Um... (laughs) Um, Kumpa is now fencing here and there with a line of shark decons and says, They won't stay back much longer, Rod! And I'm like, don't call him that. <laughs> That's stupid. Rod. Even Rod Serling hated it when people <laughs> called him that. And then um, uh, there is <laughs> some more back and forth between the Quintesson and Hot Rod. Um, uh, Hot Rod says, Get back and stay back, or I'll take apart this phony judge! And the lead Quintesson says, how frightening. He rotates to smiling face. The lead Wait, Quintesson... that's a different Quintesson than the no, one No, it's the one he's ra- holding. Oh, okay, okay. And he says... So you said that these were the bipedal Quintessons, but... They still have rotating faces. They yeah. still have rotating faces. Okay. Ah, okay. And here's where the lead Quintesson's head suddenly flies up and away from his neck, and the rest of his body falls to a, with a clatter to the floor. He don't need that body. Nope. Oh, I like this. And he flies out and flies away. Another Quintesson shoves out a new body and neck onto which Lee Quintesson's head flies and locks itself, where he says, Now carry out the sentence. Devour them! That's so interesting. I can see how that evolved. Exactly. Absolutely. ended up. That's crazy. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. And then Hot Rod joins Cup at the bottom, and he says, Well, it wasn't a bad try. Aye, lad. Not bad at all. There's more fighting, fighting, fighting between them. And then... There's an angle including Quintesson, and then there's spectators and prisoners in the like the jail cells and stuff. I would have liked more of that in mm-hmm. what we saw on Well, there's the, the, the prisoners, including a huge robotoid warrior of glass with iron fittings, rattle the gates of their pen and shout encouragement to Hot Rod and Cup. Ad-libs of, keep fighting, get as many as you can, etc. The Sharktacons are closing in. Cup says, till all are one. They, the battle on, and then there is a sudden wail where Swoop dives in with a screech, scoops up Hot Rod and Cup. Mm-hmm. And the prisoners in their pins, they shake their cages with more encouragement, and the gates glow red, flame, and explode away to reveal Grimlock standing there who's let them all loose, mm. basically. And um, he says, Fight! And then on the huge glass warrior, as he roars and breaks the paling off the gate, runs to the arena and skewers one, two, three Sharktacons as other prisoners stream out and attack. And there's a bunch more of fighting. And then Hot Rod says, let me down, Swoop. I want to kick some Quintesson. And Swoop swoops laser breath across the arena, striking the fleeing Quintessons. And Cup says, they're finished, Roddy. It's over. Yeah, Roddy. Not, I don't like it. And then on Grimlock, Wheelie riding his head, using his sling... 
and he roars and destroys the grandstand with one sweep of his tail, casting remaining Quintessons into the arena, and um, the Sharktacons turn away from the Dinobots, prisoners arriving, and clacking furiously, start closing in on the Quintessons. Okay, the tables have turned. Mm -hmm. So a little peek into the next minute that we're going to have as well. I also really liked the game Goonies 2. (laughs) What? Talking about the sling... I was okay. like thinking about the evolution of sling to sling shot, and then mm-hmm. for some reason it reminded me of Goonies. I don't 2. remember Goonies two. You never played that game. I might have. I it's don't sort recall of it. Haunting. It's weird. There's like it's a side scroller with a lot of adventurous stuff happening, but then there's also these weird three D elements where you're walking through different cubes, so almost like Contra, like dun 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 mm-hmm. dun dun, but you can go left and right, and it's more mazified. Hmm. Ultimately, you're trying to save a mermaid. I don't understand why it exists as a game and why it's called Goonies two and not just Goonies. But uh, it was a good game. Okay. Uh, sorry. That okay, that was, that was good. Out of place. That was good from what I talked about. That was a good. That was good content for for that minute. I've completely forgotten about what you were talking about. <laughs> I've got, really got nothing notable. Okay. So Ryan, jump in to the insanity. We go to uh, the Quintesson is uh, the lead Quintesson says rotates to the angry expression says back we are your masters you dare not defy us back. And then um, the huge glass warrior clasps hands with uh, Grimlock, who lo- lowers Wheelie and Grim, and basically like the Sharkticons or the the Quintessons are on the run. And Hot Rod says, "We can't hang around. You can handle things from now on." And the huge glass warrior robot smiles, grunts, "Ah," which is weird. <laughs> Cup seeing Wheelie, looking up at him cockily, and who might you be, my young Bantam Roosterbot? What? Bantam rooster bot? Bantam rooster is... A, bantam chickens are small chickens, but it's a weird reference. But, yeah, you would know that because you raised chickens. Yeah, but, like, it's not... Maybe why it was cut. It's not a universal reference. Bantam rooster. I mean, I get bantam... That makes sense then with bantam weight. Bantam weight, yeah. It's like, but I never knew it was associated with it. Yep, that's where it comes why from. Why rooster in because of his colors? I think just because he's it all just like a general reference to him being small? Small. Small and, like, you know, feisty. Bantam rooster bot. I think Cup's phrases and sayings in this movie, or in the script, are getting more and more... Insane? Insane. He might yeah. have like some kind of it he might has be onset old of dementia. Autobot dementia. Yeah, um, interesting. So instead of Grimlock, snu- uh, Snudge. <laughs> None of us can speak today. I know. Good lord, <laughs> Sludge nuzzles Wheelie with his huge head and says, "Him, Wheelie, good friend." Ung, ung, ung. <laughs> it's U N H. And then Sludge licks Wheelie like a huge dog, and Wheelie reacts, feigning disinterest, but clearly pleased. That's weird. (laughs) Resume on Hot Rod. Nice to meet you, Squirt, but like I said, we've got to split. Our friends are counting on us to do a job. Turns away, speaks to Cup. You've got to find, or we've got to find space transportation if we're going to make time. And I'm like, aka ship. ship. Just say ship. Why? (laughs) Good editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it turned out. And Wheelie says, fly, Sky! Skyfly? What? Sky, fly, sky, skyfly? Like, that's his way of interpreting what they need to I do. I guess. Hey, kid, get lost, says Hot Rod. <laughs> Cuff says, wait, lad. And then to Wheelie, you know where we can find space-worthy vehicles? Again, I'm like, a, a ship. ship. Just say a ship. Um, Wheelie points and says, uh... Or just it basically just points and then it says uh, to a spacecraft that bears the five faced insignia of Quint- of Quintessons. 
And Cup says, Aquinas on Cruiser. I wish they would have developed that logo. Yeah. I don't and, know how crazy that would have been. They tra- <laughs> they transform and, and take off for the ship, and the huge glass warrior robot smiles and waves, grunting his farewell. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that exist? I don't know. What, there's, I guess Ron Freeman really liked the idea of this glass warrior robot because it doesn't make any difference in the. I don't know. It's a, I, it might have been a cool thing, but whatever. Um, and then they get to the ship, and uh, they get in there, about to close the doors, and and Wheelie's just standing there, and Hot Rod goes, Okay, okay, come on board, but I think I'm going to regret it. <laughs> Which I also don't think comes back in any meaningful way. Mm-mm. Blast off to cheers of the prisoners. And then we come back, we cut to, we go back to uh, Junkion. Do you know if um, the Glass Warrior, if he breaks, that's... Seven years, bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a, it's not just glass in general, it has to be a mirror. You just run my job. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> okay, we cut back to uh, Junkion where uh, the Decepticons are still there and they're basically like, Scourge is like, should we examine the remains? And if you remember this convoluted thing where uh, Ultra Magnus and Perceptor had these clones of the other Autobots and they grew in size like, and, and, they were just like drones that were walking around, and that's what the Decepticons destroyed while the other Autobots were hiding. Yeah, I remember that. And then they actually destroyed Ultra Magnus, though. And then Galvatron says, Carrion for the Cesium Crows! <laughs> More birds! <laughs> More Cesium! Yeah. And he says, Yeah, fuck all that. To Earth, Decepticons! While I, Galvatron, pay a final visit to Ingester and cancel our contract forever! <laughs> Which is the lamest. Like action hero catchphrase ever. <laughs> it's like that belongs in a, like a diatribe of like oh, I'm gonna go. I want to cancel my membership at Planet Fitness. I do make lots of references to, like throughout the time we've been doing this to Megatron and or Galvatron's interactions with Unicrons. Like I do <laughs> refer to them a lot as like business meetings or yeah. having a checkpoint yeah, yeah. or an employee review. So I like that reference. I like that line. It's just a, I don't know. It's not <laughs> badass in any way. <laughs> Cancel our contract. <laughs> I want to turn in my resignation. Yeah. I want to quit the bank. <laughs> um, so then uh, they leave, and the Recepticon forces rise and, and escape JBL. A beat, we hold on the remains of Ultra Magnus as the remains of the replica clone to blur RC Springer and Perceptor start shrinking and dissolving. Oh, yeah, those. Mm-hmm. Get rid of those so somehow. it's like if they'd st- if the Recepticons <laughs> had stayed 30 seconds longer, they would have known it was... It, it's just like... <laughs> it's just... I don't know. But they didn't even destroy the clones, right? Or did they, they did. Okay, okay. That's why they thought they killed the Autobots, because gotcha, gotcha, they destroyed gotcha, the clones. Gotcha. All right. And then um, Daniel uh, comes into the frame and looks down at Ultra Magnus's remains. He sacrificed himself to save the rest of us. Not really. I don't think he planned on sacrificing himself. Or did I he? I think he did. Yeah, he did. I think he did. Um, and that's where, that will, that's where we'll end. Otherwise, he would have just put a clone of himself out there. Oh, true. Holding the real Matrix. Why didn't he do that? <laughs> oh, not the real Matrix. Why didn't he have a... Like, if they had clones, why not a fake Matrix? Yeah. Well... Mm. That's a... Uh, it's almost like there are holes That's going to be the, yeah. the premise for Transformers the Movie 2. Written Electric by, Boogaloo. Written by the team of the Autopod Decepticast. Really all I have is an interesting script note on the Junkions. Um, Pretty much everything we see on screen is in the script, but here's what the script says about the Junkions. Junkions are an interesting species. They ride themselves. (laughs) 
That is, the Junkions ride transforms of themselves. That's their typo, not mine. So that if their vehicle breaks down, the driver will become the vehicle and the vehicle will transform to become the driver. They are gibbering, singing almost a wild kind of junk rock. War cry song, like, which, like their language, is constructed of bits and pieces of the museum junk of our culture. A humorous, aggressive song which makes a surreal kind of sense. Slice them, dice them, and that's all, folks, or your money back. Wow. Which made me think, uh, if our, our friend of the show, Close Kuntosh, mm-hmm. if you ever have the time for a side project, Junk Rock, starring the Junkions, would be something I would fund on Kickstarter. I mean, partially fund, not totally, <laughs> totally fund. I don't have all the money in the world here. So, and then Caleb will also like the fact, and I think Ryan was going to mm-hmm. go into this maybe a little yep. bit, that the script describes the action we see on screen as road warrior style chase. Okay, so they've, they've taken it directly from <laughs> sure. the movie. Mm-hmm. So you're right, yeah. That, that. So my lo- the love of my favorite movie ties into this movie. Yeah. That's amazing. And I didn't even pick that up until I read the script, but I mean, obviously, since that's your favorite movie, that makes sense, and I guess it did translate well. To the screen. Awesome. Good job, everybody. Ryan, what um, have you got for us? Yeah, so um, <laughs> we, at my point, we're looking at Ultra Magnus's remains, and um, Daniel has said, Ultra Magnus, uh, he sacrificed himself for the rest of us, and uh, Springer puts a hand on Daniel's shoulder and says, He loved existence, Daniel, but he loved us and the future of Earth even more. <laughs> Which is the clunkiest... <laughs> Dialogue. I've Can you ever. imagine that at a real funeral, like when Caleb dies? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a eulogy. He loved. He loved, he loved to be alive. Caleb, living was good yeah. for him, <laughs> and now he doesn't. <laughs> and I, then, but I'll, I'll I, my, the ghost of myself will be thankful that I'm not around to hear that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> We're not coming to your funeral. I'm not inviting you to my funeral. <laughs> not a, I wonder if you could make a guest list for your funeral. <laughs> or specifically have instructions in your will. This person is not out. allowed. I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's sure. possible. Um, okay, so Blur comes in agitated, very fast, very nervous. The time for mourning is not at hand. There is no occasion now to look back and reflect on the meaning of life or anything else. <laughs> what? Yeah. Perceptor says, what are you trying to say? Blur Point, turns, points off them, and the them that he's pointing at is Rekgar and an army of Junkions as they are moving into battle array um, at, at our friends and the shuttle, which I was like, oh yeah, the shuttle hasn't been destroyed in this version. The Junkions are on motorized tricycle-like vehicles and cut down junk-built buggies and tanks a la the vehicles in Road Warrior, mm. and they are gibbering, singing almost in a wild kind of junk rock war cry song. Like you said, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, all right, I can see it. And then it basically, Rekgar's lines are exactly the same as here as we see on screen. Um, then we have a Road Warrior-style chase, and there is a junkie on with a Nazi-type stu- Nazi helmet. And um, he r- runs along and then uh, alongside Springer, throwing a grappling hook, basically the same thing there. And um, Springer knocks him down. Daniel says, way to go, Springer! And um, But... Springer says, hold the congratulations, because as the uh, guy who gets knocked down keeps skidding through the roadside junk, 
the junk starts sticking and restructuring itself around him, so he starts rising up, still skidding forward in a new humanoid junk body shape, fully mm. operational. So instead of like actually like reattaching an arm, he is actually building, rebuilding himself with the junk that he is smashing into. Yeah, kind of like like a nanotech kind of thing, I like guess. A snowball sort of situation, Which, rolling up a hill, but except a junk ball turning into a robot. Or down a hill. <laughs> on flat ground. Yeah. Which the way they did it, I mean, they, they did a stripped down version of that. Basically, you couldn't really, I mean, you could animate that, but it's very complicated. Like, I guess the way they did it is just, well, you can stuck, stick our arms back on. Right. And then on RC, uh, a, a junkie on in a steel turban with a cobra head in the center, which feels a little racist, <laughs> starts coming at her. Um, but she bounces him off again. They re- he rebuilds himself, and she, that's where she says they're indestructible. And Sounds like Serpentor. Kai, oh no! Serpentor didn't have a turban on. Sounds like he had the cobra hood. He had the cobra hood thing, yeah. Which also had an additional cobra, kind of at the tip, didn't it? (laughs) And that cobra had another cobra. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, uh, Daniel skids, stopping his exosuit as he reacts to what's ahead, where he says, "They're everywhere!" And then that's where the junkions rise out of the junk, and that's where that minute ends. Regarding that scene with the shining eye, the script has a very different description of what happens on Retgar. He gnashes his teeth and grins and then blinks his eyes, uh, which roll uh, to show eyes like ping pong balls. What? Retgar makes blipping noises as he does this. Okay, so I understand. Instead of so the was, eye shining. So I was like, what the fuck is this? I still don't really understand what left, that is. It was, a left, it was a compromise on that. But what does <sighs> ping pong ball eyes mean? That's in mine too. Don't know. Don't know. I guess it was a I, vestigial of Ryan's how, bonkers it's script. It's interesting, real quick, it's interesting how they will, okay, so that is like, is that, a, they'll do that to what, appease the writer, or like, I don't see why they would need that at all, but maybe it's just like, okay, look, we need to have something at this point, and so they have a, they put a glint. We need to go to a writing room, I guess. Right. But I'm sure Ryan might elaborate. I on can this. maybe like get shed some light on it. Not much, but like yeah. Um, in, in my script, as we start, uh, it's right after the junkions pop out of the junk, and then um, uh, Springer, RC, Daniel, Perceptor, and Blur are all like around, like they close ranks and look at the junkions, and Perceptor says, "Maybe they're not as mean as they look." And then Rekgar, that's the point where he gnashes his teeth, grins, blinks his eyes, which roll to show eyes like ping pong balls with dots in them, then roll back. Rekgar makes blipping noises as he does this. What the fuck is that all about? Dots? And, like, and then Springer says, hold that thought to Perceptor, which is like, maybe they're not as mean as they look, hold that thought after that display. But I'm like, but that's not a threatening display. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'm haven't sure. they already been fighting up to this point in yeah. this version yeah. of the I'm script? I'm trying to figure out what, like, I'm trying to figure out like why that demonstration in his eyes would somehow communicate to the to the uh, to the audience of mm-hmm. the script, us or whoever, that that they are not evil. I, I don't. I really don't. Why I, would they do it to begin with? And why would that? thing right. me convey that like, thing. I don't think they're like first of all so he says I don't think that obviously we, we eventually need to understand that they're n- not uh uh on the Decepticon side or or and or against the Autobots but the fact that they that they say I don't think they're 
What does he say? He says maybe they're not as mean as they look. But and then, then they do that to demonstrate it? To demonstrate they are mean. Because then Springer says, hold the thought. I think it's fucking weird. It's just very weird. Yeah. And then basically, like, uh, because next, uh, R.C. looks at Junkion, stifles a scream, holds Daniel close to her. Junkion flips out a snipping tool with a blowtorch head, starts moving toward R.C. with snippers working, <laughs> laughing as he moves in. And then Daniel, stepping in front of R.C. bravely, he'll have to get by me first. And then Springer moves toward R.C. protectively as Blur also takes a fighting pose. And I'm like, guys, she can fight. Like, I hate this protecting of RC. Like, yeah. she's because she's a woman, they wouldn't. If you substitute any other Autobot in there, it's very weird. You know what's kind of sad is that, that instead of giving RC the opportunity to knock out Redgar, they give it to the child. I know. That's every time, always. And, but yeah. And also, I, I question as to like. I don't know why I like Perceptor saying maybe they're not as mean as they look. I think maybe he'd say more like threatening. Based or, on what? Because he speaks very clinically and specifically. Like right. he, I just don't think he'd say mean. Oh, I don't say. I'm not. I'm not asking like what he, how he's saying it. What? What is? Yeah. What is why? He pick, what's? Oh, what's I don't he know pick, why he said. Like, up? yeah, that and doesn't then, make any and sense. Then, either. So I guess then their behavior is to demonstrate that they're uh, a wild card. I don't know, man. It's weird. Anyway, that, that's it. That's weird. Maybe that is what it is. Then they the ship starts coming Maybe over. <laughs> there we go. That's dots. the end of that. <laughs> yeah, the, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I hate everything about it. <laughs> I don't it. like it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, we kind of ended on a real down sour note there, didn't we? It's, which is not not par for the course. Uh, all right. We have merely one more part of Scripted Aviations to go. Probably. You know what? No matter, it, we're going to have a part five, and that's it's going to be the end of it. I think we've gosh, these are there's more content here than I definitely thought there was. Um, I hope you guys are not not enjoying it. Uh, I think we're probably going to skip a release next week just due to the holidays and the fact that um, the three of us are recording an all new episode for your listening pleasure to put in your ear holes. Um, Please like, comment, subscribe. We're on Stitcher, Google Play, tune in, iTunes, five stars, please. We are at a pod decast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, all the things. Say, say, ladies and gentlemen, our store is open. Head on over to our website, autopoddecepticast.com, and check it out and check it in. Uh, until next time, dear listeners, pistols at dawn. Bye, bye, bye. Blow cells, blow cells, where we sell good. <laughs>